there was a day, and it wasn't all that long ago, that I was super seriously stoked about this franchise's future on defense. And and what happened? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers are back at practice today on the south side in advance of Baltimore week, Baltimore week number two. The time that I'm describing goes back three years. It goes back to a game in Santa Clara, California. And yeah, that's where the 49ers are. They're not in San Francisco. They're not anywhere near San Francisco. And it was the first game after Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. Everyone knew the season was shot. Mason Rudolph was going to be the starter the rest of the way. And in the middle of the week, the Steelers made the amazing, like astonishing at the time, move to send a first-round pick to Miami to get Minka Fitzpatrick. And while that looked like it was a reaction to the Ben injury, like it was some sort of signal to everybody that, hey, we're not quitting on this season, and what it wound up being was exactly what the Steelers said at the time. There was a unique opportunity. They pursued it. They got their guy. They got their young, uh, strapping, smart, athletic, takeaway specialist at safety for the next decade. Tremendous move by Pittsburgh. Horrendous move by Miami. They go out onto the field that day. And those Niners, you might recall, ended up in the Super Bowl that year. Not because of Jimmy Garoppolo, but because of Nick Bosa and a lot of other guys they had on the other side of the ball. But the Steelers played them evenly. Steelers should have won the game, you might recall. And the reason that they did that was that not only was Minka a massive factor, without even knowing the playbook, like the dude just showed up, checked into his hotel room and just aced everything. But also because Devin Bush was a factor all over the field. No, I am not about to invest yet another episode of burying Devin Bush. To me, this kid is exactly what he is right now. I don't know if it's the knee. I don't know if it's something else. At this point, it really doesn't matter. I can't envision that he'll be back. But here's a different way of looking at the one thing that really ails this defense. It's the inside linebacker position and the fact that it's changed so much, meaning the position itself over the years, probably more than any other position in football, save perhaps nose tackle, that it's, well, kind of hard to keep up. And it's been hard for NFL teams to keep up. When the Steelers drafted Ryan Shazier, they were way ahead of the curve. Do you remember the criticisms at the time? Not the praise, but the criticisms. He was too small. He's got a safeties build. What are you doing? Uh, that's not going to work. And what actually was the case was that the Steelers were well ahead of everyone else. They got themselves somebody up in that spot, who could cover, who could take away the screen pass, who could go sideline to sideline, who could do all those things that Ryan could do. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story as to how it related to this team at this position. And I'm here to say today, for the first time, not that it's significant, 
but that I'd kind of be open toward, yeah, right. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Inside linebacker with the first pick? Well, who could imagine the reaction to that from the public? Oh, right. The team that drafted Bush is going to be the one you'd trust. Hey, why don't they also trade something and move up a couple spots to get him? It'll be really, really miserable. It'll be a lot like if they were to draft a corner and the only two words anyone will want to repeat are Artie and Burns. But if I look at this group that they have currently, I don't see a single player that I'd want back, maybe necessarily even in a reserve role other than obviously Miles Jack. And Jack isn't a splash guy. Jack is a guy that I think we've learned to admire because he makes the plays that he's supposed to make. He's got an energy about him. He's got a professionalism about him. I love the guy. But when it comes to being something of an X factor of any kind, whether it's blitzing, whether it's dropping back, whether it's knocking the football loose, whether it's a pass defense or anything, he's close to a zero. And I'm going to repeat that I say that respectfully and understanding that he's been toughing it out through a knee injury for the past month or so. And I'll also admire, in his own right, what Robert Spillane brings from the simple standpoint that he gives you absolutely everything he's got. I'll never knock someone for that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, eh, Spillane stinks or whatever else. He's, he's doing a lot with what his natural gifts are. But you tell me where this team goes from here at this position. We can talk about Mark Robinson. It's fun to talk about Mark Robinson because we've seen so little of him. He hasn't been exposed in any meaningful way that you could have a fair dialogue about him. But the last time we did witness him, he was mowing people down in preseason games, right? Therefore, he must be great. Well, he was a seventh round pick for a reason. And he hasn't gotten a helmet most of this season for a reason. So if Robinson were to ever come around, and obviously late draft picks or even undrafted guys do end up becoming starters, it's not going to be quick. It's certainly not going to be quick enough for the 2023 season. So as you look into your draft globe for this coming May, don't just think about left tackle. Don't just think about defensive tackle. I know I'm the one that's been focusing on trenches, trenches, trenches in this context repeatedly, but there's a lot of time between now and the draft, and there are still a couple of football games, all of which matter, all of which count toward making this evaluation. And inside linebacker is something this team very seriously needs to weigh if everything lines up. When we come back, J1Q.
Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Cody, who says, Hey, DK, the more I see and hear about and from the young talent on this team, the more excited I get. Beyond seeing the visible improvement on the field, it feels like these young guys are setting a strong foundation for a winning culture. I like the way these rookies and these second-year players carry themselves with a confidence and a swagger in their abilities and efforts. Do you get the same feeling when you're in that locker room? Initial answer, Cody. Yes. All capital letters, multiple exclamation points. Second answer. Actually, comes back at you in the form of a question. Would you have written this had it not been for that final drive on Christmas Eve? Always be careful of small sample sizes in assessing how it is that you feel. I've liked a lot of what I've seen of this offense and its growth in steps. It hasn't been linear. It dips down, rises back up, dips down, rises back up a little bit higher but it's moving in the right direction. I don't think anybody could dispute that. I have had conversations with players uh, on the record, off the record, for attribution, not for attribution, for weeks now. And a lot of them have been with these types of players that you're describing now, meaning the first year, second year guys, the guys who are starting to feel good about themselves individually and collectively. And I can tell you that they're sensing that but it comes with a big asterisk. And you can kind of guess what that is, right? Yeah, okay. If you're not new to the show, this won't surprise you. But these players, the offensive players, would much rather have a different offensive coordinator. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. That doesn't mean that they know it's going to happen. My own feel for a while now has been that Matt Canada has no chance of being this team's coordinator in 2023. But the one component to all of this that's unambiguous for me is that the players want somebody else. Even after a game in which things go well, they aren't satisfied with what's happening from the schematic standpoint. Now, should their voices count as a head coach or even as positional coaches or whatever? You've always got to be careful about that sort of thing because that is literally letting the lunatics run the asylum. And there's always going to be a selfish element to how you feel about a coordinator. If you're a receiver who doesn't get many targets, you think to yourself, boy, if only there was another coordinator here, they'd throw my way all the time, which might not be the case. But what I hear from these players is so specific. Uh, it's, it's so detailed and uh, to be honest with you, so painful with some of the information that gets passed along that I find it inconceivable that it isn't something that'll resonate throughout the building. Meaning to Mike Tomlin, 
to Omar Khan, to Art Rooney. There's no way they won't hear this. They, there's no way, in, in my view, that they won't take into consideration what it is that these players are most comfortable with, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to be out there doing it. And they're the ones that have to go to the line of scrimmage believing in it. They've got to have that conviction, that confidence. That's why you hear all these stories always throughout football history of someone saying, this play is a hundred percent or we knew it. We know it. We feel it. We're going to get this one done. But if you don't believe in the guy who's designing the play, even if you're wrong to feel that way, it's a heck of a strike against that process before it's ever even begun. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do one more of these tomorrow before I head on down to Baltimore. (laughs) 